with some theme music. everyone to mystery a podcast about myths and history i am one of your hosts bryant with not my permanent guest but my co-host i'm gonna upgrade peter because he's here yeah i know (laughs) sorry cammy uh peter welcome back this isn't a podcast magnus uh necessarily but it is a special event uh we are here live uh doing a holiday episode for pod vcom we First joined in last August when they did their first event, and it was a lot of fun, um, but we pre-recorded. It was great, but it was also not enough. So we're here live, and we are, are ready to regale with some stories. Uh, Peter, how are you? I'm very well. You look great. You look like an 1800s English bahumbugger. <laughs> buggery, buggery. Right, yeah. You're the guy that bought all the ducks from the store, yeah. and no one's going to have any... Roast duck nope, I'm keeping all the ducks. Had That's a nice, uh, nice filling English breakfast this morning to get myself in the in the mood. I saw. Yep. Nope. Yeah. My mom would be proud. I'm really sure she would be. So everyone, uh, mystery. If if you've never seen us, you're just joining us. What we like to do. It's it's typically myself and my permanent guest Cami, as I call her. And every Wednesday, we like to pick any sort of uh, myth or legend. So Hercules, Troy, Odin chupacabra all those things have something in common and there's stories that are topics that we've talked about on the show uh we give you a little slice of the story we like to come up with like original little stories and then we kind of talk about i like to see the facts but you know i like to talk about the 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 happenings of the legends and the myths what makes them uh tick and things like that and today now this is fortuitous peter extremely fortuitous it is uh, it's a great word for one but <laughs> cammy i think it was cammy that picked this time slot a while ago and we didn't realize that it would coincide so well with what we're going to be talking about today mm-hmm. and and I, i'm not gonna like give everything away but you know obviously we're dressed in a certain way i've got my handmade <laughs> goodwill um sweater with jingle bells on <laughs> that i bought years ago and we are going to discuss uh two figures um, one of them is is Santa. Let's just rip that Band-Aid off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but it, there's some cool stuff there. And then another one is, you you may have heard of him, uh, Krampus, uh, the the evil dude. You know, he's, he's gained a lot of popularity recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's been nothing but ups for him since the 1800s. <laughs> but we're going to talk about him. And it's, it's extremely lucky that we're talking about him today. Because yesterday was like Krampus Day. Uh, funny enough, like the legitimate Austrians in the 1800s were were celebrating celebrating uh, Krampus Krampus Nacht. I would say Krampus or Krampus. So we're really fortunate uh, because we we have Krampus. We're here on this day. Um, yesterday night, I think, is when you would have done a Krampus run, is what it's called. Cami was with me when when I bought the sweater and many more that I hawked. <laughs> but um, Krampus is especially uh, special you you may think of him you pan- santa has a lot of companions krampus is a, a unique 
companion because depending on sort of where the origins go he does sort of different things but typically he does he, he does one major thing and that's yesterday morning uh your your kids would have woken up peter and krampus would have visited and left if they were bad would have left a, a gift for them and that gift would have been a switch now mm. not not the nintendo kind <laughs> but the birch twig kind so you can pelt their butts red because they've been bad mm. uh, and if they've been really bad then apparently he's just going to take them it's just it for a whole year he takes them and where, where does he take them <laughs> rehabilitation uh, in hell i guess <laughs> but uh, we're going to get started now with i've got there's not there, there's not a lot of writings there's really no writings on krampus there's a lot of modern stuff today there's like a horror film that came out a couple years ago and stuff mm. so there's tons of content making it today but the 1800s and before that they didn't write stories about him so i'm just going to give you a nice little thing about krampus uh, and then we're going to talk a, a little bit more on the origins of Krampus. And then Peter's going to dive into his content on the big fat guy. Mm -hmm. So, not me, Santa. Uh, <laughs> let's get started, though. So, Krampus Knocked, or Krampus Night, is December 5th of every year and coincides with Nicholas Tag, or St. Nicholas Day. While the old saints, St. Nicholas, leaves candy for children who have behaved the last year, Krampus leaves something for their parents. Some say Krampus takes any child who misbehaved to his home in the underworld where they remain until next year. Others believe that the figure leaves a wooden switch so that the child's parents can commit to corporal punishment. Today, though, many countries celebrate Campus Lauf, or run, where during a night of drink, people dress as Krampus uh, with sticks and chains and chase people harmlessly, as harmless as you can, in remembrance of Krampus. Krampus, despite his terror, has always appealed to the people of the Alps, where he originates from. The church, uh, the Catholic Church and Austrian Empire went so far as to suppress even mentioning the figure through the ages because of his influence and popularity. A way to celebrate Christmas uh, is a great... Uh, Today, however, he is celebrated as an anti-hero of sorts, as a way to celebrate Christmas uh, in parallel to the Coca-Cola Santa that has formed in the last 50 or so years. Now, instead, people try uh, running through the streets with their chains. Mm. So that's a little bit of Krampus for you. Again, there's not too many writings. Uh, he's a long uh, originating story, and it's interesting. We've talked many times uh, about the germanic the old pagan and scandinavian religions there's this big umbrella so if you ever hear the term like norse mythology it really encompasses the germanic peoples anglo-saxons and even going as far as like if you if you can imagine if you're not really good at your geography think of the italian the, the boot the stripper boot of italy the very top of that kind of where the alps are going to be that's where this myth sort of was really popular and originated in now, over time, the, the the Germanic barbarian pagans that lived in these areas that helped, you know, deplete uh, the glory of Rome um, at the height of its power. Yes, thank you, Cami, that she put the the sex worker boot. Um, <laughs> that's the official Italian term. Uh, over time, these Germanic peoples Christianized. Uh, they all. Uh, from from Ireland to to the rest of Europe, where the Germanic pag the, the pagans, the Vikings, basically settled in. <clears throat> During this Christianization process, they they still held on to a lot of their old traditions 
and values that that had clearly had pagan roots. So Easter, um, a lot of these holidays were, were completely pagan, and they they the the church was unable to just say stop it. So they converted a lot of the like they converted the people. They converted the the uh, the feasts, the people, like old gods became old kings and old events um, became kind of Christian based. Like Cammy and I did a great episode on the Loch Ness monster. And what I loved about it is the story we found was basically about how a priest was able to like Christianize the Loch Ness. So <laughs> in this story, we don't have a direct source, but historians essentially believe that Krampus is some kind of pagan demon. Krampus derives from a, I think it's the, directly a German word uh, dealing with the word claw. And they think that Krampus was some sort of a pagan monster and might have been associated with uh, the winter solstice specifically. I mean, there was tons of celebrating during the winter solstice for these Vikings. I mean, you don't, you have nothing to do except ski and arm wrestle. And of course you'd get your scalds or your, your poets and they would just sit around the campfire and tell you stories about how Loki messed up. So those stories eventually, you know, those, those celebrations would still happen, but they would just turn into Christian stories. And so they think Krampus was this pagan uh, entity that was transferred into Christianity just so that way it fell in line uh, with, with things. And then it somehow got connected to Santa. And we'll, we'll talk about that soon, but it, 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 Santa has a lot of companions depending on where you're celebrating Christmas. And so Krampus is sort of the companion of the, the Alp region goes into, a, it, was, it was especially clung to, to Austria, especially clung to Germany and a few other places. And then there's just in this huge resurgence today. And like I said, it's this sort of like anti-hero uh, that has sort of formed and I, I, again, the commercialization of Christmas has been going on for the last few years. And I think people just sort of see Krampus as a really ideal way of uh, kind of fighting against that. Mm -hmm. So here, I'm going to pull up. I've got, here we go. Oh, good. Yeah. This than I am. No, yeah. So um, <laughs> I've got this image here. If you're listening to us, you can watch. This is going to be archived on YouTube and I think Facebook Live, essentially under our mystery group videos. So this is a, one of my favorite postcards too, because look how happy they look. <laughs> this is uh, the the union of, of Krampus and uh, St. Nicholas Santa uh, is really attested to the 1800s. So mm -hmm. in Austria in the 1800s, these these gift cards, these Christmas cards, this has been you know a long time thing, uh, essentially. These were the kind of things you would buy. And mm -hmm. You would, and here, here's a great characterization of, of Santa uh, taking, he's got his birch twig that he's going to whip you with, and then he's using his long tongue uh, to take this. Yeah, doesn't that kid just look like they're up to no good? Um, <laughs> and here's another one that's pretty well detailed as well. He's got the hooves. You know, he's he's very, like, classic devil. The, the mm -hmm. My studies, I'll go over my sources later, but my sources say that the the... The, the horn devil, as we know it, really became a thing in the uh, medieval period during the 11th century. It, it, that's how he was depicted. And so mm -hmm. not just the devil, but other demons and things like that. And, and, and this is the classic devil. Sorry, Brian, if I, if yeah. I may, like, and a lot of the, like, classic, uh, like, old St. Nicholas iconograph iconography, um, you see him, um, like, uh, like, 
chaining and, and imprisoning demons in, in a lot of cases. Oh, this, yeah, yeah. This, these icons have grown into these kind of like seasonal assistance for him. It's that's really, yeah, that's a great point. So and what's wild, though, like I, I mentioned in my little story, this one's not as clear, I don't think, but this is a family gathering and Krampus is there. It, it's, it's a little more harmless. And you can just see on the <laughs> far right, you can see St. Nicholas, I believe, with a bishop's like uh, mm -hmm. miter and things like that. So... I, I just want to show this one more time because I love it so much. That, that's, <laughs> it's very in, warm. <laughs> in, yeah, it is. And that's the thing. In the 1800s, it had that same sentiment, actually. It wasn't – I mean, you, you know, it was that sort of thing. Like today, a parent will go like, do your – you know, you're not doing your homework. You need to do your homework because then Santa won't come. You know, you could say that all mm -hmm. year round. That's kind of what, what he served back then. But, of course, they could say like he will beat your butt to death and drag you to hell. You could mm -hmm. say that, you know, in 1800s Austria, but people would buy these cards and it, and it would be this friendly thing. And so I don't know. It, it, it seems like such a modern um, humor kind of thing. I, I feel like they wouldn't do that back then. And that's and it was a problem because the Austrian Empire eventually had to ban Krampus, the depiction of him, like the sale of these cards. And they even went so far as to require licenses if you wanted to be Saint Nick. So you, you hmm. couldn't just don the outfit and, and walk the streets. Then you'd have like dudes with pikes go like, show me your identification. <laughs> I mean, can you like imagine that? Like, oh dude, what happened to Hans? He got, he was hanged. He mm -hmm. was walking around without his Santa permit. Uh, I mean, what are you gonna do? So that's, that is my little spiel about Krampus. We'll go a little bit more into um, some of the specifics too, but Peter has, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just the appetizer. I'm the show opener here. We've got the big figure that we're going to discuss. And I, I guess I'll, well, I'll let you, I'll let you take it away. I will. But before I do, I was, I was just kind of interesting as you were talking, it's interesting to see how this, how punishment is kind of introduced into the holiday season. Like yeah. these stories of, of, um, of St. Nicholas, we're going to get into some of those. Um, he just was a really good guy. Like, you know, <laughs> he, he, he rescued everyone, whether they were murderers and killers or, or innocent people. Yeah. Um, so the introduction of these like punishing characters into his kind of feast day and celebration is, is, is interesting. And I'm wondering if you have any, any ideas on, on why that happened or, the I, I mean i think parents always have did you see cammy's comment by the way thank you cammy <laughs> i think i think there's always parents always have a need to to you know like to scare children and like cammy and i we've talked about uh, a lot we, we, and, and you and we, we've all talked about in our, in our episodes we've talked about old stories and i think things like the big bad wolf um we even you know we've talked about like spring Hill jack the victorian era killer and how they would become boogeyman and you would tell your, your kids these stories to scare them uh one to tease them but two you did not want little hans to go out in the forest in 1800s austria you didn't mm -hmm. want him to run off like that because he would die he mm -hmm. would not survive you know and i think that uh through the christian nature and things like that it just worked out that it was it just worked out, and again, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a buzzword, mytheme, um, m y t h e m e. It's a it's a real word. I'm not making it up. And this mytheme, so Santa isn't a mytheme. He's he's a you know he's a figure, a saint, and he as a as many Christian saints do, he spread throughout the Christian lands. But the mytheme here is that he had uh, a companion who doled out the punishment. I love it. I, I'll look at my sources in a minute. Um, but one of my sources, I'll name them in just a sec. They, 
uh, use the term good cop, bad cop routine mm-hmm. for Krampus and Santa. Cause like someone has to be the bad cop. Someone mm-hmm. has to be the good cop. And, and so again, even, even 300 years ago, Krampus wasn't like scary or I, you know, he's scary to the kids, but it was like, okay to talk about him and to threaten your kids with him. You know, it, it mm. and, and people would dress up the Krampus uh, run has been going on for hundreds of years mm-hmm. and so it, it was it was harmless back then like things you'd think would happen at a frat party today only were happening back then and, it, and it's just so fun you know it's it's just such a cool <laughs> idea to, to think about that that people were doing that and santa is super nice and good and, and all that but krampus brings like a, a fun twist to it but mm-hmm. I, I guess like you, you've always got to have a threat of punishment if kids are are, are getting rewards <laughs> you gotta get getting not a reward isn't too bad you know like if i tell kinley hey if you do your this assignment now i'll give you a, a kit kat she'll mm-hmm. go i mean if i don't do it i don't get a kit kat but that's okay you know mm-hmm. but if i say if you don't do your homework i will beat your butt with a stick then mm-hmm. she'll go i might want to do my homework i don't <laughs> beat kinley for her homework <laughs> that's good to know <laughs> but, but it is interesting like like it, the in america we don't have like an, an equivalent of krampus but we've got like the naughty list you know like yeah there is there is a, an implied punishment there I, I just think it's interesting how we have you know <laughs> at least in america so much of this santa claus tradition is is parents lying <laughs> to their children yeah and, and 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 at the same time threatening punishment for misbehavior it's it's really yeah <laughs> uh, yeah contradictory right yeah parenting's uh evolved a lot of ways but it's it's funny we now we lie kind of for the commercialization of it all for, for right. the magic and the spirit of it and that makes sense that makes it's, sense it's, so. speaking of which i should i should have i should have uh thrown in a disclaimer there so if you're if you're listening with uh <laughs> with, with with some <laughs> some youngsters uh we are going to uh, be exploring the myth of, of Santa Claus. So uh, if you want to keep certain things secret, it might be time to uh, uh, maybe do some earmuffs for the kids. We'll or see. if you're in your car and your 13-year-old is in there and still believes. <laughs> God bless time. them. <laughs> it's time, guys. I'm sorry. This is the best way, though, because it's fun to learn the truth. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a huge truth to this. That's what's really cool. So Yeah, there's a thread of like ancient history in here and we're i'm going to talk about that now so i'm going to be uncovering the mystery of the man who breaks into our houses every christmas eve now i'm fascinated by the popular american version of santa claus and we're going to circle back around to him uh near the end um but there are so many regional versions of this character um and i know that bryant your your mother's from england um did you grow up with any like distinctly british Santa traditions? Yeah, I, I talked to her yesterday too a little bit about it. You know, um, his name was Father Christmas for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Santa Claus was was good, but Santa Claus is more American. Um, although it, it, I think it's used pretty well today. But Father Christmas is what you're going to hear uh, in in England for sure. And he distinctively would would deliver uh, mince pies. That was like mm-hmm. the big thing, the mm-hmm. yummy little pies, and uh, and sherry. Actually, she mentioned that. So mince mm-hmm. pies and sherry. Everyone, that's what everyone gets. And it was interesting. So like as far as how we would celebrate Christmas, um, we would always like the Christmas tree was bare uh, until it, 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 there was, I mean, it wasn't bare, sorry, it was decorated, but there were no presents under the tree until the night, uh, Christmas Eve, the night of Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go to bed with my, my sister and my brother, and then we'd wake up and there would just be presents there. And I, uh, Kyle, my girlfriend, she, when we started living together and things like that, um, she was used to, 
putting presents there as they kind of come all December long. I like both, but mm -hmm. there, I mean, like there's just something cool about, you know, presents appearing out of nowhere. Um, it is really cool. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work if you're a parent, but it, it's, yeah. it's yeah. very, very magical. Right. Uh, yeah. Growing up, uh, we had our own traditions as well. We, we used to leave beer for Santa. Um, oh, wow. And once I discovered who Santa really was, that made a lot of sense. So <laughs> <laughs> my dad likes, my dad likes a beer now and again. That's great. We uh, we had a, a detached garage growing up, and there was all, there was this there was um, a, an upper floor, and there was a silhouette kind of cast in the window. My mother used to tell me that it was one of Santa's elves, and he was always watching me. So it's <laughs> like, good, the the elf is watching. You know, he's he's, he's you know Santa's little snitch. Yeah, uh, oh, that's funny. And growing up, I my sister is uh, ten years younger than I am, so she was like, it was really fun to have like a baby sister. So my brother and I used to put just elaborate effort into fooling my sister who probably believed in santa way beyond when she probably should have because yeah we were, we were so convincing in our in our in our fooling of her but, that's so great so anyway so these myths and legends um are constantly evolving and every teller every family uh brings his or own traditions and interpretations to it so we want to hear about your family santa's myth mythology um so if you have any cool traditions that are kind of exclusive to you or are kind of regional um please share them in our chat and if we have time we'll talk about them at the end yeah um, that's a great idea so bryant you mentioned that yesterday was krampus day do you know what today is i don't know perhaps the accompanying day of it is the feast day of St. Nicholas. <laughs> That's right. Incredible coincidence. So, uh, it look insane. <laughs> yeah. So, kind so, of insane. Like, like Cammy had a visionary moment and, and booked us on today. So, we get to talk about yeah. St. Nicholas. So, um, my source, I think you probably have more detailed sources than I do, Brian, but I used a wonderful website, uh, the St. Nicholas Center.org, which is where I got a lot of history and some St. Nicholas stories. Awesome and site. I'm going to read some right now. So the man we know as St. Nicholas was born in the third century AD to Greek Christian parents in the city of Patara in Asia Minor, which is like modern day Turkey. He was not yep. Turkish, however. Um, young Nicholas was born into a wealthy family. And when his parents both died during an epidemic, their substantial fortune passed to Nicholas. Now, Nicholas was a devout Christian from a very early age and was made the Bishop of Myra while still a young man. And following Jesus's teachings on charity, Nicholas gave much of his fortune to the poor, sick, and disadvantaged. And being a humble man, Nicholas's gifts were always given in secret and anonymously. Now, Bishop Nicholas learned of a local merchant who had once been quite prosperous, but had fallen on hard times following some shady dealings. The merchant had three daughters, but was too poor to pay the dowries so they could be married. The daughters were in danger of entering a life of prostitution if they could not be married off, as the father could no longer support them. Hearing this news, Nicholas sprung into action. Under the cover of night, Nicholas made his way to the merchant's house. Finding an open window, Nicholas tossed a bag of gold coins into the house. Now, in some versions of the story, the gold lands in a shoe or, or, or stockings, which is why we hang our stockings and in some places place our shoes by the fireplace. And in another version, Nicholas doesn't throw coins, but gold balls. Um, so some people put oranges in their stockings to symbolize the gold balls. I actually grew up with oranges in my stockings. Oh, wow. 
But interestingly, my mother did not know that story. It was a tradition that was handed down to her from her parents, but she didn't know the, the gold ball story, which I thought was fascinating. That's cool. Uh, the next day, the whole town was rejoicing. The merchant had used the gold to find a fine match for his eldest daughter. So the next night, Nicholas w returned again to the merchant's house and threw another bag of gold through the window. And the next morning, the merchant paid the dowry of his second eldest daughter. On the third night, I love when they're always in threes. On the third night, when Nicholas returned to the merchant's house, he found the merchant hiding outside of his window, hoping to catch a glimpse of his benefactor. The merchant fell to his knees and kissed the bishop's robes, but Nicholas swore the man to secrecy. But obviously, the story got out because uh, St. Nicholas's reputation as a gift giver uh, lives on through the centuries. There are dozens of remarkable stories about St. Nicholas. Once, while on board a ship during a terrifying storm, Nicholas fervently prayed and the storm magically disappeared. In another story, he resurrected the bodies of three children who had been murdered and placed in a pickle barrel to be sold as pork by an evil butcher. And according to my wife, this evil butcher is one of his assistants in, in modern day reenactments, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> After his death, a magical elixir that possessed healing properties was said to flow from his tomb. Just tons of crazy Nicholas stories. He rescued all people, whether innocent or criminal, from debt, slavery, disease, imprisonment, and execution. Really solid guy. Yeah. For this reason, he's the patron, patron saint of children, sailors, bankers, pawnbrokers, scholars, orphans, laborers, travelers, merchants, judges, paupers, marriageable maidens, students, children, well, it's, it's repeating, victims of injustice, perfumers, even thieves and murderers. And it's perhaps his association with sailors that his legend became so popular as mariners carried his stories all over the Mediterranean and Europe. So the feast day of St. Nicholas, which is today, December 6th, is still celebrated throughout Europe, but primarily in the Netherlands, where he is known as Sinterklaas. St. Nicholas is often depicted in his bishop's robes, sporting a long white beard and riding a white horse. The feast day is a major gift-giving holiday, particularly for children. Now, during the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther had some, had some ideas about this, and he sought to move away from the veneration of Catholic saints, of which Nicholas is one of the most popular. Uh, he wanted to establish the Christ child or Christkind as the greatest gift giver and tried to move the practice of gift giving to Christmas Day. But the celebration of St. Nicholas persisted and his mythic character and later Santa Claus became increasingly associated with the Christmas season. It's interesting. My brother-in-law is from uh, the country of Colombia uh, and where they, I mean, they, Santa Claus like appears in advertisements and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but in, 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 in Colombia and a lot of Latin America, the Christ child brings the, the gifts on. Oh, cool. That's great. Good job, Martin. He so you don't, have, you don't have to explain, like, you know, how does Santa fit down the chimney? It's, it's the Christ child. You know, he, <laughs> he does whatever he wants. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there are variations on the St. Nicholas character all over Europe. He is called Der Christmann, or Christmas Man, in Dutch. Pere Noel in France. Papa Noel in Italy. And he has assistants as well, and they're not elves. Um, Krampus is one of them. Zwart Piet is, an, is another character who appeared um, in, in mostly in the Netherlands in the yeah. 1850s. He's a Spanish Moor that uh, St. Nicholas um, saved from slavery, and he entertains children, children and distributes treats. 
during his visits. Uh, and in Switzerland, there's um, Santa Claus is accompanied by Schmutzli, who is a, a, a Krampus type character yeah. who carries a switch for beating wicked children. Yep. Now, while, while St. Nicholas is undoubtedly a major precursor to our modern version of Santa Claus, some of his origins, like of our American um, Santa Claus and, and uh, Father Christmas as well, are are decisively pre-Christian. So, mm -hmm. and and you you alluded to this in your Krampus story. And um, Bryant, I wasn't I wasn't around for this, but you and Cammy did an episode on Yule. If you want to go back, yeah. fourteen. Could you give us a quick refresher on Yule and its relationship with Odin? Yeah, so I, I just re-listened to the episode, and man, it's great. So we've been doing the show for a little over a year now, and this was early during our uh, lack of expertise on audio <laughs> equipment. I just went and rebuffed the episode, though. It sounds much better. Go listen to it if you can. But yeah, the Yule, everyone's very familiar with like Yule logs, especially like the treats, the cakes, and stuff like that in France. Uh, but there was this concept distinct, you know, Odin is quite ancient, as ancient as the the Greek legends, but for the Germanic and pagan uh, people of uh, Scandinavia, all of what we know as Germany, and again, the Alpine region, where I've talked about where Krampus is from, but even beyond that, he's known as many, by many different names. And there was this concept of the wild hunt, where during the, the darkest nights uh, or the darkest days of the year where you had barely any sunlight, you needed to stay inside. You needed to keep a, a big hearth going, a big fire going to, uh, to, to sacrifice your, your nice horse, to burn the beautiful trees. Uh, and when you burned them, it, it gave you a, a nice fire and nice company, but it also was given to Odin and the gods. You, you, when you burn stuff, it goes straight to them. It's, it's how you deliver packages to them. And <laughs> it was the, the, it also helped the idea of let's stay together. No, no, no. It's the wild hunt. Don't go outside, stay inside. Let's do that. And it just kind of evolved. There's tons of, you know, variations of course, um, through it all, but in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of it. It was this all important figure, but, but Odin did indeed, um, you know, you make Odin happy, he makes you happy. Mm -hmm. You get you get stuff in return. So there is this this connection of uh, an all encompassing gift giver. If if you if you're good to him, it comes back to you. It reciprocates. Yeah, and physically, I mean, like Odin is very kind of Santa like. He's like yeah. old man, white beard. Beard, yeah. Uh, tr you know, traditionally, you know, fur trimmed robes. Mm -hmm. uh, he was known to travel down the chimney. Um, interesting, interesting uh, kind of thing i noticed recently so he had a, a magical horse sleepnir sleepnir yeah how many legs does sleepnir have two extra two extra he has eight legs oh okay all right and how many reindeer does santa have <gasps> myth busted <laughs> <laughs> and also um odin's location in the north might also help explain why you know Santa's home is now believed to be the North Pole. That's a fairly right. recent development, but it certainly could be influenced by that that northern yeah. Norse influence. So, yeah, cool stuff. That's right, great. Well. And so, we, we've talked about these like old, you know, old roots of 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 Santa Claus, but now I want to bring it back around to the 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 guy that we that we see uh during this christmas season at the mall yeah. ringing the bell ringing the bell for the salvation army um this is kind of iconic character and it's a i think it's a really great example of of america's this great melting pot because our american santa is like there are pieces of him from all these different cultures there's yeah. certainly saint nicholas 
There's certainly Father Christmas, who is a, a fairly different character. Um, there's there's this Odin. There is American advertising, music, movies. I think you know when we're talking about Santa Claus in America, I think it's safe to say that Santa Claus might be the most popular myth in yeah. the United States of America. And, yeah. and what's cool, uh, you know, is it, it's it's a it's a living, changing myth that we get to see evolve during our lifetimes. Like you know, I, we talk a lot about. Um, you know, the, these ancient stories and the stories that, that survive. I mean, a lot of these were, were from an oral tr tradition and we might, you know, we might know one version, but there may have been hundreds of versions of these, of these stories and, you know, vying for popularity and changing, but we, we might, we, we only have like, we only have like one copy of Beowulf, but, you know, obviously it was probably, you know, performed thousands of times and it was right. different every single time. And, you know, by kind of participating in the modern Santa Claus myth, you know, we're seeing it evolve constantly. We're seeing, you know, the, 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 the cursed elf on a shelf, you know, <laughs> is, is vying for uh, influence in this, this old Santa Claus myth. I think it's fascinating. So, so I'm going to talk a little bit about when Santa starts to show up in the United States. Coca-Cola Santa, that's what I call him. That's a big one for sure. Yeah. Let me find my notes here. Um, so the name Santa Claus, uh, first appeared in print in 1773. Uh, it's an Americanized version of Sinterklaas, which is, um, the, the Dutch version or the, the Dutch St. Nicholas is Sinterklaas. Yeah. I think that's, that even in itself is sort of like a, um, kind of derives from an other word for it, but it's, it just, it's became the name of him. Yeah. Yeah. And his original appearance in America was really kind of a parody of Dutch culture. He's, he's, he's not wearing his bishop robes anymore. He's dressed kind of as a sailor. He's got a round belly and a green coat and a sailor's cap. Um, but slowly, um, he starts to show up more in popular culture and his appearance and legend becomes a little more refined. So um, there were, I wish I had my, my photos up for this, but they were made more, um, were, were made canon after the publication of the poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, in 1823 by Clement Clark Moore. Now this poem is better known as the as Twas the Night Before Christmas, which is a super popular, recognizable uh, poem uh, about Santa Claus. And it really kind of standardized, you know, Santa's appearance, the flying sleigh, the eight named reindeer, um, traveling up the chimney. That was all kind of established in that poem. And you can see how that's taken hold in our, in our modern uh, understanding of, of Santa. Um, his physical appearance was further solidified by the cartoonist Thomas Nast, whose images of Santa appeared in Harper's Weekly. And as you alluded to, Bryant, uh, his iconic red suit with the white fur trim, black boots, and white black belt was made popular by Coca-Cola um, in the 1930s. This is Nast's image right here, I think, right, that I just pulled up. Is that right? Uh, yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, this is kind of like the, the, the beta build mm -hmm. of coca-cola santa they they yeah. used this and then they hired some other guys who built off of this to what we know today correct do we have anybody sharing santa's a myth <laughs> well you know I like i could be a buddy <laughs> I, I know yeah yeah someone jumped in um i what i'll i want to just bunch into because i it's not an episode of mystery if I don't mention Byzant Byzantine of uh, once. And 
of course, the Byzantium is after Rome fell um, a few hundred years into the AD. It, it before it completely fell, it divided into east and west. And east was sort of where the Mediterranean, Greece, into Asia Minor um, was, and then the west is, of course, like West Europe, Italy, and, and such. And and that's he Santa is is Greek. He he his he was Greek. He probably mm -hmm. spoke Greek, maybe Latin as well, uh, especially if he was from a rich family. But he he was a Greek saint and that's that's incredibly important i i mentioned like when i was a kid people would be like did you know santa's from turkey and i i was like i don't know what turkey is why would a bird find a country but <laughs> now i i as i i love Byzant the byzantine culture byzantium uh it, it's really cool to see how important that is and he he the the especially because like you talk about how um martin luther wanted to stop venerating saints so darn much that was mm -hmm. a huge thing in the greek orthodox church and, and in in the catholic church too but icons there was i mean the iconoclast movement was a huge deal people died because they had a picture or a you know a, a, a important christian kind of like artifact for their home um it was a huge deal and uh he was a a, a big part of that and we some of the classic sources. So Peter used stnicholascenter.org, which is an amazing website, but we have, right, they, they list the classic sources of St. Nicholas. There's writings from uh, uh, AD 400, um, the Iconium on Nicholas of Myra by St. Proclus, Archbishop of Constantinople, which is a pretty big city. That was mm -hmm. the capital of the Eastern Empire. That's from AD 440. Again, St. Nicholas was around AD 270 to 343. So, and again, the Byzantine Empire ended in 1443, so the, that's when when that era stopped. But he was such an important saint in this Greek epicenter, and it it the myth was able to dig its roots all over the world between 8300 and 1440 before before like the, the his home, you know, became uh, unrecognizable to him. Mm -hmm. And that and the, the sources go on and on and on. So we we do have. Uh, easy definitive proof that he was a, a real person and, and it's just wild again how the myth of the man became crazy i mean you know he's he's you listed everybody uh that he's a, a saint of a patron saint of including like sailors and things like that and so those stories I mean, we we don't know if those stories are necessarily true we don't know if he did pay for the dowry and stuff like that but it's it's very uh clear that he he was an important figure. Even mm -hmm. Britannica is where I got a really good write up on him, and and he was even um, imprisoned during the persecutions of Christians by the Re Roman Emperor Diocletian. But then Constantine the Great um, was really important uh, figure the, the of the Eastern Empire got him out, and he apparently attended the Council of Nicaea mm -hmm. in 325, which was an extremely important Christian like gathering. It had to do. A, I, I might be kind of putting it too much in a nutshell, but it had to do with like these two sects of Christianity at the time that were kind of debating on, there was like the word, the Latin words for like the father, the son, and the Holy ghost, uh, who has, who has permanence. The, the Latin was weird. And they were like, how venerated should Jesus be? It was a lot. It was a huge enough deal to have a huge expensive council. And, and, uh, the, his name, St. Nicholas's name is in the ledger of attendees. Now, some people debate that he actually wasn't there and that he was written in because he was just still so important and, and a big deal in this Greek culture. But it's just really cool to see that, uh, St. Nicholas has these, these definitive roots, even this happening 
like a, you know nearly 800 years ago if right. not more if math it, works in my brain almost 2000 yeah there you go thank you um so yeah i i i love the the, the true roots that he has and and how it, it it's just what other saint it has this experience mm -hmm. um, where he's still pretty recognizable to what he would have been, especially if you know him as St. Nicholas, he's wearing the, the archbishop robes and things like mm -hmm. that. Like he's definitely changed for us um, more than what his like Eastern uh, Greek appearance would have been, but it's just really cool to see. And then of course, yeah, like going back to Krampus and his friends, <laughs> it, it just, all of a sudden these, these, things got attached to it and he has these companions and so it's it's just so funny to to see this this real christian saint from the height of uh, an empire turns into this phenomenon of again like the, yeah like the i call him the coca-cola santa of today right he's become quite commercial but um, but at the, at, the, at the core of it is is giving and love, and I think that's something that Saint Nicholas would be would be proud of, even though he was a very humble man. Right. Yeah. Those stories of him like giving to the man's uh, or the, the the women's father for the dowries those mm -hmm. precede uh, our our gift giving kind of oh, versions yeah. of him. It, it that came first, and then you know everything came later. Mm -hmm. And um, it is interesting because you know he became a saint shortly after his death like it's mm -hmm. typically there's there's a there's a a bit of a waiting period but <laughs> he was he was uh, made a saint very quickly um now brian we have a few more minutes yeah, um, i know i was it. hoping to read some uh some of our listeners christmas stories but we don't seem to have any but i do have um a visit from saint nicholas queued up here and i think we might have enough time to get through it if you think that's a good idea yeah yeah the night before christmas you want to do it yeah, I'll do it. Here, hold on. Let me, I'll, you, you go ahead and start, but I'll pull it up too. I've got it ready. Okay. So this is the famous poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, written by Clement Clark Moore. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprung from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes did appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. Oh, come on, Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they met with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the coursers they flew with the sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot 
and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him ex exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Have a good holiday, a Merry Christmas. And um, yeah, check out mystery.com and the rest of the pod VCOM. Thank you for being here. And I put in the comments as well, that was from Project Gutenberg. Uh, the ebook is used for anyone. Go to www.gutenberg.net. You can read it yourself. They have tons of other Christmas stories. Um, it's a really cool source. So uh, everyone, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Peter. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.